I was born in uh, DRC. My father tragically passed away when I was five. My mother didn't have the means to take care of me, so I was sent to live with relatives in Europe. Mm -hmm. I had a very tough childhood, very little means of communication with my mother during these 13 years, except a few letters. I really threw myself into education. Mm -hmm. I returned to Congo when I was 18, so it means 30 years after. And I was shocked at the condition my mother and, and um, was living in. I always said to myself, I realized that girls could have been me. Yes. And if my mother didn't send me away, I couldn't have this chance of being educated. I knew I had to do something to give back. It was a key moment in my life that shaped who I am today. And it made me realize that only way we can uplift the disadvantage is when we are willing really to give back out of our own privilege and the opportunities afforded to us. The dream of Malaika was planted in my heart and has been the driving force behind everything I've done since. There. Welcome back to your favorite podcast of all time, Sakina Speaks. My name is Sakina E. Shavani and I'm your host, doing the absolute most on this platform where we come to have the conversations and discussions about the things that matter. Now, in the spirit of the International Day of Education, I dare to bring you another episode about a foundation that is focusing on educating the girl child, holistically empowering her environment, her community, and the world by giving her the opportunity that she deserves, giving her that basic right that we all need, but that is deprived of her because of her gender. Founded in 2007, Malaika has grown into an all-encompassing ecosystem, impacting thousands of lives each year through its five core programs, all of which are offered for free to the entire community. Now, Noela Kolsaris Musunka, which is the phenomenal lady I'm going to be speaking to today, is a Congolese Cypriot uh, who is an international model and philanthropist who founded Malaika in the village of Kalebuka, near her birthplace in southeastern DRC. Now, an area which previously had little or no access to electricity, to clean water, educational facilities, healthcare, or technology. She's a leading voice for the power of girls' education. And Malaika is also proud and honored to have won a 2021 World Literacy Award. Through collaboration, partnerships, and talks, you know, events worldwide, Miss Musunka, or Mrs. Musunka rather, as she has this beautiful family um, with her husband and two children. She actively shares her experience and insights, which she has gained through working with the Malaika team and with organizations and individuals looking to make change. Now, these include the World Economic Forum to universities such as Harvard, MIT, and even Oxford. In addition to receiving an award from the House of Mandela at the Nelson Mandela Centenary Celebration, she was named one of the BBC's 100 Most Influential and Inspirational Women of the Year in 2017. Most recently, she was featured in Facebook's 2021 Lead Hers Life Lessons from African Women book, Spotlight 19 female leaders across Africa who are breaking boundaries and positively impacting society. And in addition to that, today she is my guest on Sakina Speaks. It is an absolute pleasure and honor to have you, ma'am. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Such an honor to be here. And thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward for our conversation. Thank you so very much once again. It has been a long journey to this moment. And I'm so glad that it's culminating in such a beautiful time. Let's get straight into the conversation. Please do tell us about yourself 
yourself, you know, your background and your childhood. What was it like growing up and how did that shape you as a woman, the woman that you are today? I was born in uh, DSC. My father tragically passed away when I was five. My mother didn't have the means to take care of me, so I was sent to live with relatives in Europe. Mm -hmm. I had a very tough childhood, very little means of communication with my mother during these 13 years, except a few letters. I really threw myself into education. Mm -hmm. I went to Congo when I was 18, so it means 30 years after. And I was shocked at the condition my mother and, and um, was living in. I always say to myself, I realized that girls could have been me. Yes. And if my mother didn't send me away, I couldn't have this chance of being educated. I knew I had to do something to give back. It was a key moment in my life that shaped who I am today. And it made me realize that only way we can uplift the disadvantage is when we are willing really to give back out of our own privilege and the opportunities afforded to us. The dream of Malaika was planted in my heart and has been the driving force behind everything I've done since. And what is that dream that you have for the girl child? My dream is for her to reach a full potential in order to do, she needs to have access to quality education and health. She needs a, a setting in which she can thrive physically, mentally and emotionally with adult who recognize her potential and are committed to seeing a fulfilling it. Yes. She needs to be given leadership skill and encouraged to believe in herself. To believe in yourself is so, so important and what she can do in the world to make it better for the around her. That is amazing. And that is a dream that I'm also very passionate about and hence why, you know, education, period poverty, elimination is also something that's very dear to my heart. As I have spoken about this before on the podcast, period poverty is something that deprives girls of going to school because they're unable to afford, you know, sanitary products or period management products rather. I really do resonate with that dream and I believe that you're doing a phenomenal job in already carrying that dream and seeing it through. So now your foundation doesn't only focus on, you know, giving the girl child a better chance, but bettering her entire environment. As you said, you know, it's a holistic change that needs to happen or a holistic empowerment that needs to happen in order for her to be able to reach her full potential and become exactly that which she was meant to be or be the best version of herself. In light of the statement, what are the major activities or programs that the Malaika Foundation currently offers? Malaika, you know, has been running for 15 years now and yes. has really grown into a thriving ecosystem that consists of five pillars. We have a school that we built from scratch that offer comprehensive free primary and secondary education to 430 students. We taught in French, English, heavy STEM focus, coding, music, theater, sport, and art. Mm -hmm. We have the community center, educational community center, where we offer literacy, vocational education, sport, health classes, and more to more than 5,000 youth and adults each year. We really using sport for social change to promote equality and peace. Mm -hmm. One of the ways we use a sport programming as a platform for social change is with on-field sport training on sexual and reproductive health rights and gender-based violence. And we really have a lot of boys, mothers, fathers, adults attending. Mm -hmm. We have the wells water sanitation build and refurbish 28 wells. We provide clean, safe, potable water for drinking, cooking, cleaning, washing, and especially was 
so important when uh, it during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We have like 20 locations and is impacting more than 35,000 individuals each year. We have our agricultural program, sustainable organic farm, garden beneficiary for several reasons. We help to provide two nutrition meals each day to our student and staff. We teaching opportunity for student and community member in sustainable agriculture. And we provide jobs, you know, on primary opportunity for adults in the community. And the fifth pillar is uh, our technical classes that is based on electricity and mechanic. So this is a, a program that has been in collaboration with Caterpillar Foundation. The first graduated will be in two months. You know, everything that we have in Kalibuka, in the village where we're working, yes. has really built from scratch. It's a village where there was hardly no access to water, electricity, uh, road. It was so tough to put all this program and make them grow. Mm-hmm. And we have beautiful partnership because the community center has been built partially with the FIFA Foundation. Wow. And partnership is really, really key to make program successful and make Malaika very sustainable. That is beautiful. And the work is showing. Um, your first batch, we'd say, of, of girls actually graduated last year. So congratulations. I, I remember that was celebrated alongside your birthday. That is such a beautiful milestone to have reached. Just as you said, all of this was built from scratch. So for you to be able to see this 15 years later must be amazing. I know it's amazing. And you know what is even more amazing is, is to really see our student growing, arriving at five years old, uh, couldn't barely really speak properly and they grow with us emotionally, physically. They mm-hmm. have dreams. They want to be lawyer. They want to be scientists. They want to be journalists. Frida, Josiane, Clementine, uh, Carol. Mm-hmm. They're growing as it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. And uh, it's it's a pleasure to witness that. But, you know, the graduation in July 2023 of a first cohort will be a mix of feeling because I'm happy to see them going into the next career path of their journey. Yes. But I'm very sad to see them leaving because I'm very hands-on. I go uh, twice a year in Congo. I spend nearly two months a year there. And they're really like my my sisters, my girls. And uh, it would be emotional to see them leaving. But I'm so proud of them. And, and it's so great. They have a lot of grace. Oh, that is so beautiful. Getting into more of the technicalities, because that is just so heartwarming. And I can only imagine. It's beautiful to actually hear that you are very hands-on and you're very into it. Because a lot of the times you actually see that NGOs become more of a monetary thing or NGOs just become a thing for show. So to still have people that are passionately doing it out of the goodness of their hearts for the betterment of people genuinely is really something that's remarkable in our society today. And um, speaking of the money, right, many people then dream of starting their own nonprofit organizations to positively impact others, but struggle to move from the heartfelt thought and planning because they're discouraged by the scarcity of funds to do so. What are some of the unique ways, because I do know a couple and I'm hoping that you're going to touch on them. What are some of the unique ways that you have managed to use or to leverage to make a difference with what you have? You know, it's very important points that you you elevate. Um, when I started 15 years ago, not a lot of people believe in what I, I wanted to do, my dream, my vision. And I have an amazing team that work with, uh, with mm-hmm. us and at Malaika. I don't take any salary of Malaika. I do it with my heart, my passion. I donate times. I lead the team. I lead the fundraising. Mm-hmm. You know, it costs only $650,000 to run all Malaika a year. So you have to fundraise constantly. And there's so many challenges, so many problems in the world we live in. 
But so many organizations that I see that were existing doesn't exist anymore. And you really have to have a few ingredients to make it successful, Mm -hmm. to have the strong team, to have a passionate team, to stick to your mission and vision. Because when you, when I go to Calibuka, when I go to Congo, there is so many different issues that you want to get involved, but everything can collapse. I never thought that we would be creating everything that we did at Malaika. And I never thought we would be existing after 15 years. And I pray that we're still existing after five years and, and the coming up years that it will be a student, our community members that lead Malaika and that take Malaika to the, to even to the next level. Mm-hmm. But you have to believe in what you do. You need to have 100% the involvement of the community and design the program of what are the needs. Yes. So you know what? You have to be very creative in the way you fundraise for, mm-hmm. for any charities in the world. So because of my background of modeling and I still do a few campaigns a year, I still work with some fashion brands and we create either a capsule collection and some of the percentage go to Malaika. Mm-hmm. We've been working with uh, some very powerful women where they donated uh, some of the clothes and we've been selling them as a sustainable way to, to raise awareness that is not only the way to always uh, buy clothes you can buy second hand or you can rent second hand yes and have amazing ladies that join a campaign from june sarpong from tony gar natalia vajanova vanessa kingori and it was just beautiful to create this campaign and have the clothes uh, raise money for malaika and i'm very mm-hmm. thankful to my fashion friends and supporters that they believe in Malaika, they donate and uh, it's beautiful. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. And we have all the accessories that we're creating with matters at our community center where we teach them about sewing, entrepreneurship, catering, and uh, we make some accessories. The program is called Mama Yama Pendo, means mother with love. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because they teach from sewing, embroidery skills, uh, financial literacy. And we sell the items in local supermarkets or at the Malaika campus. And we reinvest the money into our uh, programs. But when uh, the COVID hit us, we made uh, more than 2,500 uh, masks and we distributed them in um, in various communities. Mm-hmm. And our students, I was very proud of them with a 3D printer. They created um, some masks and uh, we give them to more than 60 hospitals. That is amazing. The work that you're doing is really commendable and we thank you for that. Now, with all of these beautiful things that you were doing, of course, this is a lesson to everybody in every respective field, um, whether you're trying to be an entrepreneur, whether you're trying to be a philanthropist, it's to tell you that you need to start from where you are and use what you have, use your gifts, use your talents, use the resources at your disposal. Just use what you have and who you are and who God created you to be. In light of this, you know, we're sitting here 15 years later, but what aim did you have with the Malaika Foundation? Did you dream of this 15 years ago to say you were going to um, fix up sanitation and you were going to work on nutrition and you were going to work on water and fixing so many wells and et cetera. What was the, what was the aim? What was the dream and the vision for the Malaika Foundation? I never thought that, like I told you, to build all of that. You know, you want to build a school in a remote area, mm-hmm. but there's no water. You need water to have the toilet facilities, water to cook and make the bricks. Yes. And you realize there's no water really. So you build a well and then you see hundreds of people coming every day to fetch water. 
it hits you very strongly how they fetch in water, where they go in. And it's mm-hmm. the reason the, the water program really was born because of the needs and because I was seeing mothers working one hour, one hour and a half to come to fetch water from our well. And I'm so proud of this program. And every time I go to Congo, I visit a lot of our wells. And mm-hmm. it's just incredible to see all the people that the well are serving. But then you see the children, you talk with them, they eat maybe twice or three times a week at their home. Is the reason the nutrition program starts at Malaika School that we're offering them breakfast and lunch. We're feeding more than 450 people a day. Wow. And um, then bit by bit, the program really shapes because there is a need and because the community and the staff are really working with you. But um, there's a lot of work. There's a lot mm-hmm. of organization. There's so many times I wanted to give up and everything and quit Malaika and top Malaika. But you can't. You are saving lives you are saving souls beautiful yes. souls the girls of five six years old you see her smile you see her walking 30 minutes eager to come to learn to study eager to change a community and that's my purpose that's my my goal every day when i have my downtime i look at pictures of malaika mm-hmm. and the mothers are learning to sew and the boys learning to play football and and use sport for development and and all the programs that we're offering. And that's what keeps me going because I see the happiness and I see the gratitude. But it's tough. There's mm-hmm. a lot of moment of doubt. There's a lot of moments you don't raise the money that you need. Mm-hmm. And there's tough decision. And it's not easy to work with people. And and I have a standard. I'm a career person. I'm a I'm a very into data. So, I like to be challenged. I like to bring uh, different levels of what we're doing. So it's it's not easy. Yes. You need to have a lot of, um, you need to have a strong team and very organization skills and uh, and never take a no for an answer and be very humble in everything. Uh, keep being humble in everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Never, ever take no for an answer, um, especially when it comes to the holistic development of Africa, which I'm very passionate about. And just like you said, you know, you felt discouraged in times with, with Malaika Foundation. There were times where I felt discouraged with just doing the podcast. You know, you're just looking at numbers, you're looking at the amount of time and effort, you're looking at all the other things that you need to do at the same time because it's a passion project, but you realize the greater good, the greater impact and what it could potentially become. Because when you started it, just like you said you know you you didn't know it was going to blossom into this beautiful great thing that is now valuable to people that is changing lives but here we are and I don't regret taking that step or taking the next step each and every single time and I commend you for it as well now being Africans being in Africa and doing this for Africa what do you believe or what do you think then the the so-called cure would be for Africa how can we turn the situation around because Malaika Foundation is doing a phenomenal job in Kalebuka but there is the greater collective there is the entire continent and there are many people that are doing this great work in their respective spaces and places but how do we turn this continent around as somebody who is in the business of changing lives I would say quality in education is a key component of the development of African nation. With an education, girls, community more likely really to achieve a greater income in the future and to contribute to the growth of a country's economy, infrastructure and general development. I will say that we have to be proud of where we're from and we need to 
create a new narrative for Africa. 60% of the population in Africa are young. They are hard workers. They are resilient. They have amazing ideas. They are entrepreneurs. They are change makers. We see the art, the culture, the fashion completely blossoming. Mm -hmm. Or we were told that you need to be lawyer, you need to be doctor. But no, you can aspire to be whatever you want to be. But we need to write our own book. We need to teach our own story, our own heroes from Patrice Lumumba, Thomas Sankara, Mandela. Mm -hmm. We need to have the the culture prospering in Africa. We have to Mm -hmm. be proud of the clothes that we're wearing, the food, the languages, the ethnicities. And we have to be to be put in a global way. Yes. We are African and we are global citizens wherever we go. When I started 15 years ago to invest in girls' education, can you believe 15 years ago to go to sit down with the chief of the village and saying to him, I want to build a girls' school? He was like, really? No, <laughs> we send boys to go to school because most of the school in Congo, you have to pay. Mm-hmm. And on the table in New York or Washington, I was a young woman. I was black. It was a male-dominated world Mm -hmm. and I saw you but I have this gut feeling that I will reach the star to put my Congo to put our girls our program in the middle of all this big organization and I'm so proud after 15 years that that I'm invited to the to a table to speak with World Vision or UNICEF or Global Fund and all Mm -hmm. these organizations because it's a belief and we have to talk with dignity. Yes. If you, you, you've been following Malaika on social media and you've been following me for many years and you will see that we don't hardly put negative pictures mm-hmm. because the world is chaotic right now, you know, with the recession, yeah. with so many wars. And let's talk about our ongoing war in the Congo that nobody's talking about it. Hundreds of thousands of people are misplaced in the Congo mm-hmm. in the, on the name of minerals, of resources. No, we have to and we have to talk. We have to be the voice that's going to be heard. We have to be talking about what's going on in the Congo, what's going on to talk in the world. We need to have a refugee from Congo or Afghanistan or Pakistan or Ukraine to be treated the same way. Absolutely. I'm very excited to see the new chapter. The, the, you know, Africa is a book with so many books, but mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the chapter of these young advocates that's coming up from the African uh, African motherhood and mm-hmm. that uh, that really really shaking the world and the music let's talk about the music scene yes. oh, so many African artists are really feeling stadium being number one on mm-hmm. Apple on Spotify and everything and it's beautiful to see that and we want to see more women emerging from every corner of Africa because they are the one that really, really, really need our respect. Yes. Birth to us, they work hard. They, they make sure the family is still together. They're unbelievable. They are the force, the backbone of the society. Absolutely that. And then some, just like you said, women are the backbone of society. And when you do educate a woman, you educate a nation. So it's, it's crucial. Now, if we were to summarize this legacy that you are aiming to leave for generations to come in one sentence or a short message, what would it be? You know, what would you want to be remembered by? I would say quality in education, not just in DRC, but through my speaking engagement, raising awareness on this issue in developed countries. I mm. hope to inspire others to join the cause and work to see all girls provided with quality education. And, um, you know, I'm a proud mother. I have two children myself. They come every year with me in the Congo. And um, they are young philanthropes. 
a very, very, very young philanthropist at their own age. And um, I'm not a narcissistic person. I don't want to be remembered as Noela. Wow. I, I just want to remember by the work we're doing, by the testimony of the girls, the community, the boys, the mother that we teach in. Mm-hmm. We have Anne that is amazing. He want to become a doctor. We are strong that finishing in two years, we've been paying his school and university. We have all these girls and Malaika. I want, we see the legacy of Malaika through their eyes and through their action and their career that they will do and their happiness. Yes, that is awesome. And again, going back to a little bit of, you know, the depth of running the Malaika Foundation and everything that has to do with it. You may get this question a lot, but I think it does need to be reiterated so that more of us, you know, more can be done to alleviate this burden and make it easier to reach those in need um, through your efforts. So what are the greatest challenges that you face as a foundation and how can they be completely eradicated, you know, to benefit your organization and all that benefit from it? Um, you know, our greatest challenge is really fundraising. Like I told you, I work entirely voluntary for Malaika and I'm sure that 80% of the funds go directly towards a running program. Mm-hmm. But the cost to deliver all what we do is a challenge to maintain and having more long-term donors who are willing to sponsor a girls' education or a program that we have at Malaika or a teacher salary or the nutrition program to alleviate that constant need to generate a more um, more income. Yes. And we do we fundraise with through events, people running a marathon, people selling candles or bakery. So there's a lot of ways where people can raise money. And we do urge each and every single person listening to this podcast, sharing this podcast, and just interacting with the Malaika Foundation to try their best to be of help to this foundation and many others that are doing this great service to humanity in whichever way you can. Yes, people can <laughs> can even just put a post about Malaika on their social media or exactly. marathon or even donate $1, $5 or donate the birthday. There's so many ways. And if you don't want to support Malaika, just support another organization that are doing amazing work somewhere. Exactly. Now let's talk about the pandemic. The pandemic obviously hits everyone really hard, but we'd like to get a little bit of a picture of how that affected you, but also how that positively helped the foundation. We were all focusing on how the pandemic separated us and so on and so forth, but the pandemic also helped to bring some light on the cracks and also better ways to mitigate such unexpected circumstances. So how was it during the pandemic for the Malaika Foundation, um, the volunteers for yourself? for all the the activities and everything but also what were some of the advantages of the pandemic for you a school like community center had to close a couple of times during the course of the pandemic and malaika continued to impact and support the local community in the region where we work the price of food really increased by three four times mm-hmm. the so we distributed food and necessity to those who really needed it in the most of the community we impacted about uh, more than 10,000 individuals. We also commissioned local matters to sue hundreds of masks. With <laughs> soap, were given to people in area villages, and we provided sanitation and prevention education by teaching local people about proper hand washing, safe hygiene practice, and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the advantage, our donations were very, very low. It was a very scary time, and it was such a, at such a crucial time of Malaika. But what I will say, put the team together, the community together, the community saw that we were still there for them. It was very tough because for the first time, 
all the program were closed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Malaga is really the meeting point in a village and for a lot of villages. And that's where they come to get the news and come to play and etc. So it was not easy. But what's come from this pandemic is that we were all one world, one community. Mm-hmm. We could do teaching remotely. We could have more meetings virtually. And uh, and the struggle, you come together yes. and you rise together. And I think that was something very beautiful that came out of it. Absolutely. I mean, even this meeting right now, you know, by God's grace, happened because the pandemic showed us that we could be closer through Exactly. Closer <laughs> to each other. And you are so far, you're in South Africa, I'm in England, but we are, can still communicate. And people know, uh, start to follow Malaika more heavily during the, so- the social pandemic. And we mm-hmm. created a few webinars because we were bombarded by emails for the teams doing, or the students doing, and etc. Mm-hmm. And we did the free webinars that uh, were hosted by Tendi Wen Newton, Eve, and Jun Sapong, and where they had a conversation with the student and the community and the audience could ask questions. And it was a beautiful way to communicate to the world how we were doing wow. as an organization and the individual and, um, and to have such amazing hosts. And now speaking of technology, the same technology that has helped to unify us, but also to propel us into the future that we all desire. Uh, how did you manage to implement, you know, technological solutions within the DRC and beyond to benefit the students? But also, how does its organization use technology to mitigate the effects of COVID-19 thus far? Really, in order to provide sustainable power, we have to use solar panel on our building at the school, at the center, at the technical classes. And uh, some of the wells that we build are um, completely um, manual, but solar panel energy too. We provide uh, internet, tablets, and computer for the girls to use. They are equipped with the skill needed to work in this digital age. Mm-hmm. They are um, to code. During the pandemic, the girls in our STEM program used the 3D printer to produce more than 2,500 protective face shields. These were distributed nearby hospital at no cost. And um, we also utilized video calling like everyone had to do at that time to have guest teachers and experts input the girls' education from abroad and also training the team on staff. This is something we have to continue then to implement. We all have to adapt ourselves with the technology uh, to use Teams, Zoom, Google Meet, yeah. and all of that. <laughs> No, that is that is amazing. Again, this is one of the things that I'm most grateful to God for during the pandemic, which is just that bringing us closer together, even though it seemed that we were further apart. But conversations like this could now happen, you know, just like you said, the webinars. And so, yes, it is a call for us to just remember to not always focus on the negativity, focus on um, what it took away, you know, all the people that we lost, may God rest their souls. But all the things that we gained, you know, all the opportunities that were opened up, you know, how technology just expanded, you know, fintech and all of those things. And now how these girls were giving a more compelling opportunity to to get exposed to that, which is which is great. And so as we're coming to the end of this really great chat, it's been such a privilege to, to be able to have this part of your time to just sit down and have this conversation and really enlighten a lot of people on the activities that you're doing, um, on the kind of person that you are, on the impact that you're leaving on, on humanity, on the, you know, the planet. It, um, but also on how we can help as people. And your children are part of the activities that you do. Why did you find it so important to involve them in these activities, especially from such a young age? I want my kids to know, first of all, where I'm from. I want they know my mother. I want they know the culture, the music, the food, the art scene, the, 
the, the, the story of Congo, because I discovered back Congo at a very older age when I was mm-hmm. eight. But I want my kids to know that they are privileged and they have to give back and they have to think about others. And yes, they involve in Malaika, but uh, I don't want to put pressure on them, but they ask them to, to help organization in England. So my daughter helped the homeless and my son do the food program at school. And it's beautiful to see them growing. But uh, this year, I decided to bring them in different countries in Africa too. So we're going to Zimbabwe, to South Africa and different countries. This way they can know other cultures in Africa, other history and other countries. And myself, I'm looking forward. I've been to Dakar, um, to Senegal in mm-hmm. December. It was such, such, such an amazing, amazing experience. I've been traveling in a lot of countries in Africa and Africa is really developing at such a quick pace. And, and what I really am struck all the time is the wisdom of mm-hmm. the people living there. They have a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of, of calm and faith. And um, it's it's really inspiring. And, and it instills something on you, you know. Yes. I've been traveling all my life in my modeling career in a lot of countries in the world. But I want to in, to discover even more Africa. And I want to do it with my, with my children. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And you know, my kids are are minx. So they're really English. Yes. They they have a lot of things that they love from the from 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 Africa, and it's really beautiful. And what I love is when they talk to their friends. They always say to their friends, "You know, you should come with me one day in Africa and Congo." And it's just so natural for them. Mm-hmm. And it's easier conversation of kids and discussion of adults. <laughs> no, that is beautiful. Um, Africa is something that I'm very passionate about on the podcast, in my respective circles. So even to see like kids that young, just already, you know, having that cultivated love for their continent, for their country, it's it's amazing because a lot of us are starting to, because of, you know, socioeconomic factors and um, the recession, because of poverty, because of the lack of jobs and unemployment, et cetera, all of these things are starting to stifle our love and really choke it out of our hearts as we seek for, for great opportunities and greener pastures outside, you know, but I've always dared, you know, my my siblings, my family, um, my friends even to just, just look for the opportunities within Africa. Yes, it may seem as if everything around you is deteriorating and the leadership and this and that, but I still dare them to see the beauty in our continent, the beauty in just living here, you know, in being African, in having this rich and diverse culture, you know, and just all of it is just phenomenal. So my question now is, is there a plan for expansion? You've spoken about all of these countries that you're going to take your children to. In the greater dream of Malaika, is there a time where you're going to take it out of Congo? Maybe you want to take it to more places and provinces in the Congo? No, 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 no. No, Malaika, it's already uh, not easy to run it. And because we have we are well established, we want to make stronger all the programs. We created a Malaika toolkit blueprint where it inspires organization, individual, government, if they want to duplicate the mm-hmm. Malaika ecosystem anywhere in the world and for any communities. You can um, download videos, you can uh, download the guideline, you can have session with a team to learn, or you can go even on the site and we will help you to design your own program where you want, but it will be only one Malaika. And I'm very excited about this blueprint because so many organizations were asking us, 
how can we duplicate Malaika, etc. So now we have everything from policy, from recruiting, from programs, everything is in one document, one blueprint, and we are happy to share. It's it's a lot, Malaika. It's 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 not it's an a, easy passion project, and even a it's a big responsibility in my private life too. Mm-hmm. You know, I cannot wake up today. I'm not gonna work on Malaika. I'm not gonna fundraise. I have a huge responsibility, and it go into my private life too mm-hmm. because uh, I, I take time for you to speak today. You know, it's one hour and a half of my time to fundraise, to go to speaking engagement, to go to months a year there. So there's so much I can do as an individual. You have to know your limit. I love to see the leader of Jacina Arden lately that just say she will not run for election again. And we need to know a limit. We mm-hmm. need to know our time and we need to know our competence. Yes, yes. And I have my limits. And even running Malaika, I know where I'm good at. I know where I'm not good at. I mm-hmm. know where to improve. And it's very important. And we want to see... That from all our leaders in Africa too. When is the time to step down? Step down. Mm-hmm. When you don't have the limit, when you are, you cannot anymore rule the, the country, step down. Mm-hmm. And with that said, thank you so very much, Mrs. Musunka. It has been really a blessing to be able to speak to you, to pick your brain a little bit and see and understand not just, you know, the brain behind it, but the heart that leads this great organization. And to also hear about all the other people, the supporting roles, you know, the people that we don't necessarily see on the front line, but that are doing the actual backbone work of the foundation and that are helping to bring this dream alive. Yes. And I want to say a huge congratulation to every person that works for an organization or every person in the world right now because a lot of people in in Malaika team they don't like to speak they don't like to be seen they're very behind the scene but I have so much respect for them because Mm -hmm. they are doers they are action makers and uh, I want to thank you for your time for your passion you've been working so hard on this interview and everything that you're doing and I'm very excited to see people like you you know you're doing law but at the same same time you're doing podcasts we all have passion and multitask and it's really beautiful to see that thank Thank you so very much it's it's definitely a lot coming from somebody like you <laughs> and anyway i can help you support you mentor you i'd be more than happy to be always there count on me a sister a friend and a confident thank you so very much of course i have gained the most out of this experience um i know a lot of people are going to learn so much from this interview and i do hope that you're going to share i do hope that you're going to go onto their instagram page that you're going to follow them that you're going to try your best to spread the word even if you can't physically make a contribution on instagram it is my Malaika DRC, that is M-A-L-A-I-K-A-D-R-C. And if you want to go to Mrs. Musunka's page, that is Noela Kursaris, N-O-E-L-L-A-C-O-U-R-S-A-R-I-S on Instagram. And from there, you'll find all the information that you need. You will find all the links to their website. Uh, You're going to see all the beautiful girls that they've been, you know, some of them that they've been able to impact and all the activities that they have running there. And you'll even get a pathway to go and download that blueprint in order to do your own bit to contribute back to humanity thank you very much for listening thank you so much if this was your first time and you got this far i really do appreciate you and i thank you for coming back once again if you are a continuing listener to everybody that waited for me to patiently get out of that hiatus god bless you and i love you so much and i'm looking forward to really doing the absolute most this year and to taking you along as we discover more 
creatives, more amazing people doing extraordinary things, especially the ordinary people that just need to make their voices heard because this is all about us guys. We are the ones who matter and we are the ones that we are waiting for. When you educate a man, you educate an individual, but when you educate a woman, you educate a nation. So keep investing in the lives of others and remember that your voice matters. So make it count. Take care, stay blessed. Sakina has spoken. 